Chicago Bears minicamp wrapped up on Thursday with what might have been Justin Fields' best practice of the offseason. We'll check in for a progress report on how the Chicago Bears quarterback is doing. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. On the show today, we check in on Justin Fields and his progress at Chicago Bears minicamp. We'll hear from head coach Matt Eberflus about an impressive showing from Fields in the red zone today. We'll hear from Justin Fields talking about his footwork, where that's growing and how important that is to the Chicago Bears offense. And we'll also talk about his role as a leader and how he's stepping into a bigger and brighter spotlight at the front of the team on both sides of the ball, really kind of leading the roster as a whole. This last mini camp practice on Thursday got a lot of praise for Fields, the way that he was delivering balls across the practice, hitting a couple of guys impressively in the end zone for big touchdowns, looking sharp, accurate, precise, you know, just on top of things, running this Bears offense at practice. And Matt Eberflus was asked a little bit about how that was going for Fields, about how impressive he looked. And he gave a few specifics on what we saw and, and sort of how the process worked for them in this final minicamp practice. What stood out to you in the red zone drills today? Um, you know, it's, we weren't rushing, you know, so it was, you know, the rush wasn't there because we, you know, it was what we call, you know, we have a tempo where we tempo up front. So it's a little bit more like seven on seven. Um, but we had the front in there today, but it was good. It was good. I thought it was nice. I thought uh, Justin went through his reads and went through his progressions nicely and, uh, you know, hit some good good routes in the corners and in the front pylons, and it was uh, it was good. You said with him and with Justin in the red zone that that's an area you still anticipate tapping into his rushing ability. But for him as a passer, what do you want to see him get better at in inside the twenty? Yeah, that's just those uh, those are tight throws. You know, inside there, the closer you get, the tighter the throws are. So you know, you got to put him low and away sometimes. Sometimes you got to put him high and outside. You know, so it's really important. The accuracy down there is so important, and being on on the same page with the receivers, um, because it's uh, you know Bobby and Cole and you know Clay and all the big receivers that we have. Those guys are very viable targets down there because they're always open because they can use their body to stay open. So um, that's what that's what we need to work on still. Eberflus would go on to say in a, in a separate quote later on in the press conference that you know, he sees Justin being quicker, faster, more precise with his throwing, particularly in the red zone. And that a lot of that comes from, you know, just experience, having more time working with his teammates, working with this offense, you know, practice reps in general, and also a reflection of, of Justin Fields' work ethic for how hard he works at this, not only on the practice field, but off the practice field and the effort he puts into his body, into the playbook, into studying, into meetings and all that stuff. It all sounds 
it all sounds great. But I think also that Eberflus quote about the red zone drill that they were working on there, where there's not much of a pass rush, to me, it also serves as a reminder of like, hey, let's not get too caught up in what's coming out of Bears minicamp and before that OTAs. I think it's it's a good reminder that like, hey, these are unpadded practices against your teammates in a practice environment and not necessarily something that's going to be fully reflective of what we can expect in the regular season, right? Justin Fields is going to get all this praise for how well he performed, especially in this last minicamp practice, and that's great. There's very clearly signs of progress from Fields, and we're going to go more in depth on one of them in particular, actually a couple of them in the next couple of segments here. But let's also keep in mind that, A, the exposure that we get to Fields, you know, via the media watching practice is only a couple of practices over the course of, you know, a month and a half of OTAs and minicamp kind of spread out. But, you know, really only, I don't know exactly how many practices it ends up being, if it's 15 or 20 or whatever, but we only get to see and hear about a couple of them. So we're getting a very small sample size in general of what Justin Fields and the whole team is doing at these practices. But also we're like 24 hours removed from Fields not having a, a great practice. And, you know, a lot of people, or at least some some loud people, were getting after Adam Hogue from CHGO and the Hogan Johns podcast for reporting that Justin Fields struggled during Wednesday's practice. And people were accusing Adam of being negative for clicks for some for some reason, which is total nonsense. Like, I've met Adam. He's a, he's a nice guy. He's a genuinely good person. He's good at his job. He's just trying to provide, like, accurate information about the Chicago Bears. And whether you like that information or not, is not Adams is not in Adams control. Like he's just reporting the truth in his evaluation and analysis of what he saw. And I think it's ridiculous that when people get after him for being negative, especially because, you know, on the spectrum of bears media of like people who tend to trend more positive or more negative, like Adam is not somebody who I consider at all, like near the, the negative side of the spectrum in terms of Chicago bears media. But regardless, like, Justin Fields has had some down practices too. And I, and I think it's important to keep in mind whether it's a good practice or a bad practice, that it's just a practice and it's not always a great reflection. I think so so often this time of year, you know, when it's mid-June and we're just kind of desperate for whatever bears news and updates we could get, we end up grabbing onto whatever sort of reports we get from practice, whatever kind of clips we can see and try and extra- extrapolate as much as we can from those and get, squeeze out whatever bears analysis and content we can get from any and all updates. And it's like, let's keep in mind what it is and what it isn't. It, there are certain things that you can maybe try and see as progress, but certainly if you ever see anybody talking about like completion percentage at practice or, or you know, accuracy in that kind of way, like if we're trying to measure that in practice, practices, at least these unpadded OTAs and minicamp practices are not a great reflection of what we're going to see in the regular season. Players are trying new things. They're testing their own limits. They're testing their opponents. They're testing their you know, their teammates. And they're just trying to mix some different things in there and kind of get used to everything. And it's not always a direct reflection. It's about sort of, this is a learning process. And learning comes with making mistakes and learning from mistakes. And same thing, though, with, with the good stuff, too. Like, the good stuff is not always going to be reflective of when it's a live game and it's a real opponent with a game plan and so many other factors that go into success and failure in the regular season. So there are certainly signs of improvement for Justin Fields. But let's not overreact too strongly to the good, and let's not overreact too strongly to the bad. I do want to get into some of the specifics of progress from Fields. And one area in particular that he's highlighted and that others have pointed out as like, a, a key area that he's needed to grow and also an area that he is seeing and some real growth that I think is meaningful 
in an unpadded OTAs practice as compared to like completion percentage type stuff. We'll go a little bit more in depth on Justin Fields footwork next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs makes super comfortable shorts and pants that make you look good and feel good. They've got these cool stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg and give you more of a sculpted look. Think about them as doing the same kind of thing as Lululemon, but fitting way better and I think being a little more designed for men than women in that regard. They fit better certainly than than regular shorts that are more like stiff and can be kind of a restricting cotton feeling. But Bird Dogs fixed that issue by inventing their own cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get that slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. I love wearing my Bird Dogs because you get more of that like tight feeling, but without it being super compressing and restrictive. You know, I like, I like to kind of let things hang and be loose down there. And this kind of gives me the best of both worlds. And they use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. If you want to try them out for yourself, you can head over to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL, and you'll get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for that free Yeti style tumbler. Once you put them on, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. We can hear people talk a lot about footwork when it comes to quarterbacks, but sometimes that can be a pretty ambiguous term. Like obviously we know footwork by definition, you know, the, the use of the feet, but more specifically, like when and how and why, like, what does it mean when a player has good footwork versus bad footwork? Cause it's not always purely about the speed of the feet, because sometimes your footwork can be too fast. Sometimes your footwork can be too slow. Sometimes it can be too loose and sometimes it can be too tight. And sometimes, and so, and so that becomes hard to start to pin down what exactly good footwork is supposed to look like for a quarterback. And even within that footwork looks and functions differently within different offensive systems. And so like you hear people talk about quarterback footwork, but I'm not sure that everybody that talks about quarterback footwork knows quarterback footwork. And I'm not going to come on here and pretend like I am the quarterback footwork expert, but I've talked to quarterbacks. I've, I was like worked with quarterbacks, not in like a on field way, but I've worked with former NFL and college quarterbacks before. I've had conversations with people about footwork. I feel like I have a general understanding of how that process works, but certainly not an in-depth, like not certainly not like to the minute level of like knowing the exact ins and outs of the Bears offense and how the Bears offense specifically is going to work through footwork. But we can get a decent sense of it from some of the ways Justin Fields has talked about this process for himself and where he's sort of seeing that improvement and, and why it matters specifically in Luke Getze's offense. How far have you come on your technique, your you know, mechanics, footwork, things like that? If you were to flip on the film from your rookie year and compare it to now, do you see dramatic improvement? I mean, yeah, it's different from my rookie year um, because it was a completely different footwork than now. Um, so this footwork that you know we have now, the first year of me using it was last year. So, I mean, if, yeah, if you're comparing – it, from now to last year, it's, I would say it's a big difference for you're sure. Coached Sorry, you mean coached differently that year as far as footwork? Yeah, but yeah, just yeah, different footwork. Yeah, what's so. up? Feel the effect of this that this works better for you? Yeah, um, not necessarily for me. I mean, of course it does. I think last year, of course, was my first year doing it, so I was just trying to get the hang of it, and of course, I you know grow throughout the year. But 
know, this year, um, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it. And, um, you know, it just times up for the routes better. Um, and, you know, just just like I've been saying since last year, our uh, whole offense is, you know, using my feet. It's, it's tied with our feet. So, um, you know, just, just trying to use that feet as like a clock in our head just to move from, you know, each route in the progression. So when Justin Fields says, like, the footwork are kind of the clock for the offense, like the way that works structurally is, you know, if he's when he's dropping back to pass, you see it especially more under center, but it's the same principles apply in the shotgun. And and part of why, like, the footwork is different in <clears throat> Luke Getze's offense, excuse me, is that we, we talked about this last year when the offense came in. Luke Getze and in this Packers system has their quarterback with their left foot forward instead of their right foot forward, even as a right-handed quarterback. Typically, QBs have their right foot forward instead of their left foot forward, and then they push off of that foot. But this sort of puts them a half step ahead in the drop back comparatively to a right foot forward quarterback. And so that's the adjustment for fields that he was talking about a little bit there, of like, you know, being the footwork for this offense. But then when it comes to, like, the timing of the offense, you know, when you're going through your progression, each each route on your progression is supposed to be read at a certain time, you know, depending on the depth of the route, how far downfield it's going to be, and where, whether, you know, whether you're starting from the right side of the field, working to your left or left to right, you know, where in that progression that route is supposed to be and how far into their route they're supposed to be, you know, that's when field is supposed to get there. And that coincides often with the timing. So if it's a five-step drop, you know, perhaps he's looking at his first route, if it's, a, you know, a quicker route, on his first three steps. And by the time he gets to his fifth step, he's now turning and looking at his second route because that by the time he gets to his fifth step, the second route should be at the certain depth where Fields is able to make a decision as whether to throw it there. Then after his fifth step, when he goes onto a hitch, you know, once he's hitched, he's onto his third route. You know, this is all sort of a, a broad, loose, oversimplified example, but like he's onto his third route. Maybe that one's a little bit deeper downfield that by the time he's gotten to the hitch after his fifth step and kind of stepped up in the pocket, you know, that's, that's there. And then he can do a second hitch to get to the fourth route. And it's about being able to make sure that every time you drop back and run that play, that your feet are hitting those steps at a consistent timing every time and that your receivers are running their route at a consistent timing every time. And I think sometimes with fields last year, the feet were a little bit too slow here and there to get through those quickly enough to then match with the timing of the routes and the eyes. And then sometimes as well, his feet would be a little bit too wide and a little bit all over the place so that sometimes when he's trying to quickly plant his base and throw that he, those passes tended to go a little bit either too high or too low. And, and some of those like quicker underneath routes, you know, that he would just miss a couple of the easy ones. Like he can hit the deep ones because those are later in the footwork where he's, he's gone through his full drop back hitches and then steps into the throw and can fire downfield as opposed to some of the quicker, shorter routes. You know, the feet really have to be precise, quick, good balance underneath him. And sometimes they just weren't exactly where they needed to be. And I think that's why he missed, that's why he missed on some of those easier types of underneath throws. He also mentioned later on in another quote that was sort of separate from that one, that the footwork and the timing can vary by certainly by the passing concept, how deep the routes are going to be versus how quick they're going to be. And also the coverage that you're going against, you know, as you're reading the coverage, you might have to adjust your footwork or certainly pre-snap what you're anticipating. You know, like he said, specifically, if you got press man to man on the outside. It's probably going to take your receiver a little longer than normal to get where they want to go in their route because there's somebody physically trying to stop them 
from getting to their route. So he has to adjust his footwork and his timing based on the coverage that he's seeing on the play. And those are the types of things that he's able to work through at OTAs and minicamp this time of year, that even when you're not wearing pads, even when you're not game planning for the defense, you're still working on reading coverages. You're still working on your own footwork and your own timing with the receivers. And those are all areas that Fields can work on and has gotten better on. And I think leads to some of the progress that we've seen in terms of completions and, and accuracy downfield through this process. Doesn't help that Chase Claypool's been hurt a little bit, that Darnell Mooney hasn't practiced yet as he's been recovering from injury, but certainly the connection with DJ Moore has been there. And I think that connection with the teammates has been another big part of Justin Fields' growth. Not that it was a struggle last season, but it's just really being solidified this year. We'll go a little bit more in-depth on Justin Fields as a leader and the way he's taking command over this entire team next on Locked On Bears. Leadership is one of those intangibles that's so hard for us to measure in, in really in, in any capacity, but certainly, you know, from the outside of the organization, only getting snippets of it and sort of hearing people talk about it and seeing some examples, but not really being, you know, we're not in the conversations in the locker room at meetings or even largely on the field unless guys are mic'd up. And even then we only get to hear little bits and pieces here and there of guys being mic'd up. But one of the most universal comments, one of the most universal trends, one of the most universal sort of themes is the word I was looking for that we've heard from Bears OTAs and now minicamp is how Justin Fields continues to grow and step up as a leader, that this is the time of year that that happens and that it's really solidifying in a way that's quite meaningful for this team. And and I want to emphasize again, like it's not that Justin Fields was like deficient in leadership you know, last year, for example, it's not as though he wasn't a leader or that guys didn't trust him or guys didn't look to him or anything like that. But there's something about coming in in year two in this offense, year three in his career, but year two in this offense with a certain confidence and just security in knowing the system and knowing your teammates that, you know, last year he's trying to learn it at the same rate that everybody else is. So, you know, when he's coming into the huddle and trying to deliver the plays, like everyone is expected to still know the plays, but you know, how, how thoroughly do they know it? Is he, does he have to, does everybody have to like, okay, says the play call. I got to think, okay, that play means this. And that means this guy's going to run that route. And that means that receiver is going to run that route. And that means the offensive line is supposed to block in this way. And the running back is going to be responsible for that. And there's just that like extra layer of thought process to kind of make sure that everyone knows the play call and is on the same page. But now, Fields is able to come in, as are you know, a lot of the returning players, and just kind of know it. Like it's secondhand, it's it's another language that they're they're fluent in, or certainly a lot closer to fluent in at this stage of the process. That they can come in and feel like this is what we're gonna do. Everybody knows what they're gonna do. Everyone is familiar with with not only what they're gonna do, but why. You know, Fields can explain things better, Fields can get guys on the same page. It's less of like telling you, like, hey. Coach said you're supposed to run seven routes, but it's or seven yards on your route, but more being like, hey, man, I need you to hit that landmark by this time because I'm going to be here and because I'm looking there. And they can have deeper, more fulfilling, more meaningful and, and beneficial conversations, you know, about plays and about what they need and about what things are going to look like. You also have Fields able to sort of come in and, and know his teammates much better. You know, I think 
you come in last year and how many different new players were there around fields that he from just from the year before to that year that he was trying to get used to certainly at the wide receiver position you know Equinemius St. Brown comes in Byron Pringle comes in Dante Pettis comes in Valus Jones came in like he knew Mooney but that was about it at wide receiver and you know on the offensive line Braxton Jones comes in as a rookie Lucas Patrick comes in as a free agent Riley Reef comes in as a free agent and he's still trying to get to know those guys. Certainly, you know, he would have known Cole Komet and David Montgomery. Like, it wasn't a brand new set of cast of characters around him. But, like, you compare that to this year, he's very quickly got on the same page with DJ Moore. That's been kind of a natural connection there. you got largely the same offensive line with a couple of new starters on the right side. But, you know, the backfield, you, you, like, your number one running back, Herbert's the same. Your number one tight end's the same. Many, most of your receivers, I mean, it's, it's Moore and Tyler Scott are the true new ones. Even Claypool was at least here for parts of last season. And then it's like... Backup tight end Robert Tanyan, you're still getting on the same page with, you know, Dante Foreman, you're still getting on the same page with. But like the established relationships and leadership hierarchies are there. The coaching staff relationships are there. And so Fields can really feel like he's the man. And that and even he said in his in his press conference that like players are buying in more this year. Like not that they weren't buying in last year, but just like guys are really bought in. It's not everybody trying to figure out everybody, everybody out, but it's like. The coaches know the players. The players know their coaches. There's a trust level there. There's an understanding of like these guys know what they're doing and are here to help us and have us on the right track. And I just think it's super valuable for Fields to be able to take those reins and really feel like the guy. To feel like everyone's got his back. Everything is all about him. Like last year, it was kind of like, you know, even in the media, there were those questions, which I think were garbage. And we talked about how overblown they were of like, do the Bears trust Justin Fields? They're not building around him. Do they actually want Justin Fields to succeed? And I mean, I don't think he believed that. But I do think when you come in this year and see the investment in the offensive line, in the wide receiver position, and even more at running back and tight end, like, he can feel extra supported. Like, I think he felt supported last year, but he could feel extra supported. Like, okay, we established a certain baseline of getting things, like a foundation of knowledge last year. Now we can turn things up to the to the next level with better personnel, better skill around him. And I just feel like it fuels this sort of confidence and just aura, energy, feeling around fields and this offense that things are going to go well and that there's a, a true belief and a confidence and a buy-in that, okay, like now last year players got the system, now they can buy in on the talent and they can buy in on the potential and feel like, like I feel like last year, if you're at practice and, you know, you're you're throwing to Byron Pringle and Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown, you know, you don't you don't feel like those guys are terrible, but you look around and you maybe wonder or doubt in the back of your head, like, do we have horses here? Like, do we have guys that can make plays? Like, he certainly would never outwardly say anything or doubt, but, like, you wonder a little bit, like, is this, is this going to be, how good is this going to be? Do you really you start to question how good you could be? But when you come in this year and have... DJ Moore and Chase Claypool. I know you got Mooney coming back from injury. And now you got two tight ends and a deeper backfield and a better offensive line. All of a sudden it's like, all right, let's go do it. Let's see what we could do here. I think there's some real genuine belief and buy-in that certainly maybe not a Super Bowl team or anything this year, but improvement and trending in the right direction. And that's what we like to see from Fields as a leader, also with his footwork. And then at times showing that actual improvement in practice in the red zone drill, like we talked about, but not getting too caught up in what's happening in those practices without pads. Let's keep in mind, even when training camp comes around, training camp practices are also not going to be like perfect reflections of how good the players are going to play in the regular season. It's, it is helping shape depth charts and it does matter. But I also feel like we don't always know how 
to evaluate practice when we watch practice because we don't know what players were being asked to do. And if a pass falls incomplete, you know, was the route wrong? Was the, was the throw wrong? Was both wrong? Did somebody else mess up an assignment? Was he just trying something different or new or pushing himself in a new way? Like, and what does what he did at practice reflect what he would do had it been a live game situation? So I just always like the caution, like, let's not get too caught up in the positives or negative of training camp practices as well when we do get there. You can be sure we'll have you ready for Bears training camp in July. That schedule is supposed to come out here in the next couple of days. We'll have training camp previews and all sorts of good Bears content coming for you all throughout the summer. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We appreciate those of you that make us your first listen every single day. We love our everydayers. And I know this time of year, we're not an everyday podcast. We're about three or four days a week here until we get a little bit closer to training camp. It's a slow time of the year. Minicamp is done and not much happens between now and training camp. And I'm not just going to barf out crappy, forced podcast content for you just to fill fill time. Like we're going to, we're going to talk bears. We're still going to have bears talk for you, but we're just not going to try and overdo it and squeeze out, you know, too much, you know, certainly I, I value quality in addition to quantity and, and don't want to sacrifice quality just to fill a bunch of quantity in a time when there's not a lot going on, but we'll still be here for you Mondays for sure. Usually Wednesdays and Fridays, but sometimes it'll be a Tuesday or a Thursday here and there. We'll kind of, kind of keep it going, but that's why you got to be subscribed. So you're ready to check in whenever we have a new podcast out for you. And then that way, You'll be ready, too, for your next opportunity to bear down.